0: Well, it's good to be here with you today i'm excited to be in god's house full of god's people most of which i see at least once a week at chick-fil-a sometimes more well i want to thank the pastor for giving me this opportunity you know uh, we've been here a little bit over a year now my wife and i And the pastor and his family have been uh, so gracious and so kind. And I want to uh, just extend a word of compliment to you, the body of Christ, who have been so welcoming and so loving to us, so caring, praying for Pam as she's gone through some medical procedures, encouraging us, ministering to us. And I just want to extend a word of thanks to you for, uh, for your prayers and for your caring. Before we get started today, I've got a video clip that I think will give us a better perspective of where the psalmist finds himself at this particular time. If you could play that clip now, Brother Steve. Maybe you've been there at one time or another in your life, finding yourself at the end of your rope, not knowing where to go. It's at this time that we can draw close to the Lord. And we see what the psalmist does in our text today in Psalm chapter 70. Read with me, if you will. Psalm chapter 70, just five short verses. The psalmist says, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let those who love your salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. Like the psalmist, in times of trouble, in times of despair, our need is deep. And our sense of urgency is immediate. Psalm 70 is actually the second of uh, three different psalms that the psalmist deals with his enemies. Confronting them. Seeing how urgent a matter is. If you can imagine being in a battle. I imagine... David, at this time, leaving on a journey. And he's running from his own family, from his son Absalom, who desires the throne. And he desires to kill his own father. This psalm is actually very similar to Psalm chapter 40, verses 13 through 17. And we see a, a lot of similarities. There's somewhat difference in language, but a lot of similarities. But now we see this particular psalm set in and of itself as its own psalm. It references the psalm's need and recognizes it and poor and needy. You, know, you see this uh, same theme in Psalm sixty-nine, and actually Psalms sixty-nine through seventy-one are three different psalms of lament. The structure of chapter of Psalm sixty-nine, rather, and Psalm seventy-one are very much the same. They they offer this plea, and then they uh, come back with a vow of thanksgiving. But in Psalm seventy, what you see is you see the psalmist. Crying out to the Lord with his plea for help, and then he returns back to the same plea at the end of the psalm, as opposed to a a vow of thanksgiving that we see in the other psalms. Ultimately, what this psalm is a plea for is deliverance from our enemies— There are also similarities in Psalm chapter 70 and Psalm chapter 71. In fact, if you notice in most of your Bibles, Psalm 71 does not even have a title, which has brought many scholars and theologians to believe that Psalm 70 was actually an introduction to Psalm 71, and they're actually one Psalm but have been separated. So ultimately, What the psalmist brings us to is a conclusion throughout this entire psalm, and that is we seek the help of God when we recognize our own helplessness and we rely on His protection. So when we go to God in our times of need, what real expectations do we have from God? Well, the first thing that we see in the very first verse is we seek deliverance from God. It says, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. Psalm 71, verse 12 speaks to it of this nature. It says, O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. What's interesting in this is the word that is used, the Hebrew word for God here is actually Elohim, and it is the entire Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing that we see in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26, and the creation of the world and the creation of man. But what is interesting about the specific use of God here, it speaks of the one true God and his ultimate authority over all. He says, God, deliver me. God is the defender of you and I as his children. And God will make certain that indeed his children are cared for. The psalmist is expressing his need for God's intervention in his life against the adversaries that are pressing in upon him, trusting the power of God to deliver him through this. Our own human power fails when we try to utilize our own resources and realize how limited they are. But the power of God is everlasting, eternal, and superior to everything that we possess. Ultimately, we as believers seek God's deliverance from the hand of our enemies. So the next thing that we come to are verses 2 and 3 where the psalmist seeks The protection of God. Look at what he says in verses 2 and 3. Let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, Aha! In Psalm 35, in verse 4, the psalmist says this, "'Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor "'who seek after my life. "'Let those be turned back and brought to confusion "'who plot my hurt.'" In this psalm, David offers a passionate prayer and plea from God to take vengeance upon his enemies. In fact, He knows that God ultimately will defeat his enemies because of his servant. He uses a few very specific words here that are key to the understanding of these few verses. He says, let them be ashamed and confounded. He wants them to be rendered to act unwisely. He wants God to confuse his enemies. But even greater than that, the psalmist wants us to recognize that he is calling upon God to turn back the enemy who is in opposition to the will of God. He says, let those who who are unjustly seeking to harm me be put to shame. One of the most important examples that we can see that in fact God does do this and He's faithful to protect us from our enemies. If you remember when we were going through the book of Exodus and the Great Red Sea journey, In Exodus chapter 14 and verses 24 and 25, this is what the passage says. It says, Now it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee From the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. What we remember in this passage is that Israel, in their stubbornness, wanted to divert from God's plan how are we going to get through the Red Sea the messenger of God listened to God and there was a way they walked through the Red Sea on dry land and as the Egyptians pursued them God confused the the Egyptians who were pursuing them through the Red Sea, on the same dry land. The word that is used here, troubled, in Hebrew, is the same word as confused. He confused the enemy when they were on attack. The Israelites were outmanned. They were outnumbered. And the Egyptians had great military might in fact they were the great military superpower during that time but god broke off the wheels of their chariots so that they had to struggle to pursue the israelites God confused them and the Egyptians recognized it and say, we are fighting against God. Even those who had a very polytheistic disposition understood that they were fighting against the God of the Israelites and they had no power and no authority over him. That's what God does for you, and that's what God does for me in these times of need. In these times in which our enemies' attacks seem overwhelming, the enemy's attacks seem unbearable, and we don't know what to do. When you don't know what to do, you better turn to the one who has the power, and that is our Father who loves you and He loves me. He cares for us. He has not left us as orphans, but we can say, Daddy, please help me. I can't help myself. Please, please help me. And God will intercede on your behalf in just the right time. So we see God as our deliverer, we see our need for the protection of God. But then the third thing that the scripture points out to us through the psalmist is that God, as you do this, as those who love your salvation, we want to seek that your name be magnified your name be glorified psalm 35 27 says this let them continually say the lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant the psalmist prayed that all of those who love the lord who seek his salvation would say Let God be praised. God is our only source of help. And he did not say to seek joy because of the defeat of our enemies and to their shame. But no, he said that we want to be joyful throughout the time of a crisis in our lives. You know, it reminds me of Jesus' half brother James. He said, We should be joyful in the time of tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces endurance. And I want to tell you, I don't know about you, but me, that brings me to a place where I'm very, very uncomfortable. Number one, I'm not in control. Number two, I'm in a time of distress. And number three, I can do absolutely nothing about it. And in my time of distress, and in my time of despair, I call upon the Lord. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. And the Lord hears my cry. And the Lord hears your cry. Throughout this, David wanted the name of the Lord to be praised. He was conscious that he was God's servant, and he was God's king. In fact, he also knew that he was a reflection of God himself. So David asked the Lord to intervene for his name's sake. In 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 8 through 11, David had come to a point in his reign where he was preparing to build a house for the Lord, and Nathan the prophet delivered a message to David, letting him know that this would not take place, that he was not God's appointed messenger and king to accomplish this, but it would be accomplished through his son. Nonetheless, as the king of Israel, he was God's anointed servant. And if David were to fall to his enemies, as he seeks God's help, it would undermine the name of God. And it would also underscore the promises of God. What a challenging time to be at. But David reminds us to call upon the promises of God, of which we can stand on because they're a firm foundation. So we seek deliverance from God we seek God's protection we want the name of God to be exalted but the psalmist concludes with a very telling passage in which we understand that we seek the mercy of God in these troubling times Psalm 72, verses 12 and 13 says this, For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also in him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. What's interesting, the New American Standard uses a different word for poor, and it's the word afflicted which puts you in a state of mind of depression and even contention within yourself. But he also uses the word needy. Psalms continually portrays the Lord as a defender of the weak and the poor. But God has always defended those who are weak and those who are poor. In fact, David has referred to the poor and needy in many of the Psalms. But here, the king of Israel identifies himself as the one who is poor and needy. One who is reduced to a destitute beggar before a holy God. David recognized his own spiritual disparity and total dependence upon God. David concludes by identifying God as his helper and deliverer here. The words helper means that God will come. God will be our aid and sure rescue in a time of need. God will not fail. God is a certain deliverer. God will help us to escape safely from the clutches of our enemies. Throughout this entire psalm, the psalmist focuses on the urgency the urgency for help, the urgency in our time of need, the urgency. Of God to answer even now. There's not a moment to lose, nor a second to waste. God, I need your intervention now. You know, too many times, and, and I've shared this uh, at many other times, we have in the church have utilized a cultural mind for the theology of God. We expect instantaneous results, microwavable solutions. God is not a God to be conformed to your thoughts and to my thoughts. God is completely omnipotent and omniscient over all and through all. And at a time that he appoints and determines, he too will deliver you and deliver me through the crisis of which we're going through. So there really, the psalmist has pointed out four different things for us to examine through this short passage today. He shows us that God is our deliverer. He shows us that God is our protector. He shows us that we should always exalt and bring praise to the name of God. But in the end, we should seek the mercy of God that God would have mercy upon us, a poor, needy people. So where does that bring you today? Do you recognize your own need for a deliverer? For one who has the power to rescue you from sin, from death, and from hell. Do you recognize, just like the scripture said, today is the day of salvation. And the urgency is greater today than ever before because you and I are not promised tomorrow. This is the crisis and the crossroads that you find yourself at when you're faced at making a decision for Jesus Christ? What will your decision be? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that we can stand on the promises of your word. And God, we thank you that Your promises are true and faithful. Father, we pray that there may be those out there who are going through unbearable times and have exhausted all the resources within themselves. Father, I pray that they would turn their eyes upon Jesus Father, that they would turn their eyes upon you, reaching out to the God who cares, to the loving Father who watches out for his children. Father, maybe there are those who don't know the power of, of the cross, because they've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray if one does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they would come today and invite Him to be the Lord of their lives. Father, whatever decisions these, your people, need to make, I urge them to come Now, as we stand and sing, giving praise and glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Father, we ask now that you would forgive us of our sins. We pray and ask it all today in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Would you take a few moments where you're
1: seated this morning and respond to the preaching of God's word. To whom do you turn? David How do respond? Are you trusting in God today? We'll be glad to share with you how you can trust in Christ. But friend, you can feel free to turn to someone seated next to you, for there are plenty of people in this sanctuary who would delight in sharing with you how you can trust in Christ. Secondly, perhaps you'd like for one of us to pray with you. Like David, you too find yourself in an urgent situation. And you need God's provision and protection and deliverance. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying for you. That this same God who responded to David might also respond to you. And thirdly, maybe God is impressive on your heart that this is the congregation in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with him. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. God, as we respond to you now, we ask that our response might be pleasing. We pray in Jesus' name.